Good morning. So yesterday we explained how since the essence of Hashem is down here, therefore the way to be able to transform and to reveal the essence, I'm sorry, to, the way to reveal the essence is by transforming the craziness, the folly for unholiness, for a folly for holiness. As we explained that when it comes to the korbanot, to the sacrifices, it says, Reach nihoach l'ashem. It is a pleasant order for God. What do you mean it's a pleasant order for God? Does God smell? Rashi elucidates this and explains. The reach nihoach, the pleasure is, the good order is, that I asked you and you did my will. The moment a person breaks his nature, goes against his nature, and transforms his nature in order to serve Hashem, there's no greater way to bring down the presence of Hashem in the world in a revealed way than this. At the end of the Mama, says the, the Rebbe, Ah, we said the essence of the Shekhinah, the essence of God's presence is down here. Where exactly is it revealed? We don't see it. It's specifically in the Beta Mikdash. In the Holy Temple, that's where the essence of the presence of Hashem is. That's why... The temple, the sanctuary, the tabernacle was made of acacia wood, type of cedar wood. The beams were made of cedar wood, acacia wood. Says why? Because the word, the word. Shitim atze shitim, which means acacia trees, acacia beams. The word shitim comes from the word shita, which is the same root as the word shtut, which is folly, craziness. Because the whole purpose is to transform the craziness of this world, the folly of this world, to a folly of holiness. I always say to people, my definition of normal. This is not in the mimer. It's my personal definition of normal is the world is crazy. If you're crazier than the world, you're normal. Okay, Ma'amar Azal, as our sages teach us in the Masechet Ketubot, right, we see that there was a rabbi that he went crazy at weddings, so to say. He started doing crazy things, juggling and everything, but he was a very, very holy, big rabbi. So people looked at him and says, you, you, you are putting us to shame with your behavior. This is not the way Rosh Hashiva behaves in public. You're a, a, a figure of authority. <laughs> what happened? Well, what happened is when he passed away, there was a beam of fire that went from his tombstone all the way to heaven. And then they said, Ah, you see this folly that he had to rejoice, Chosun and Kala, the groom and the bride, right? It helped him to go to very, very high levels, right? 
I heard another explanation. His critics didn't learn from David HaMelech. Exactly, David HaMelech himself. We see that when they came in with the with the Mishkan, the the the, the Ark, he was doing somersaults and everything. And that's what's the what's the concept? What exactly is it that he did? He did a service of Hashem in a way that was beyond logic, beyond what's ordained. This, which the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, asked from us, and all the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe's asked from us, right? They didn't ask what they didn't ask from themselves. They didn't ask from us what they didn't ask from themselves. As it says on the verse, God speaks His words and His commandments and His uh, statutes to the Jewish people. So the Midrash says on this, what He does, He tells the Jewish people to do. Like for example, the mitzvah of tefillin, right? God puts on tefillin, therefore He tells us to put on tefillin. And this is the same with all of the Rebbe's of Chabad. Whatever they asked from us, they did themselves. The reason why they shared with us and revealed to us how they went out of their personal comfort zone was in order to open the door that it should be easier for us to do it once we have the right example. And now we're going to go through a series of different stories of Ahavat Israel, of the love of a fellow Jew in a way that is beyond logic and beyond the letter of the law. For example, the Alter Rebbe he stopped, the Alter Rebbe stopped in his prayer. He went, it was either on Shabbat or Yom Kippurim, and he went in the middle of his prayer, he stopped, and he went and he chopped wood, and he made a soup for a woman that just gave birth because there was nobody in the house. So you understand that when you're in that statue, uh, that, that, that's uh, such a stat- stature, right? And you are a, a big rabbi and you are floating in the supernal realms. You might say, okay, no, it's okay. She could wait another few hours. What do I need to go make a soup now and, uh, and desecrate the holiday? I says, no, Dafka. The whole purpose of my creation is that if I came to this world, it wasn't for me to float in the supernal realms. The purpose is down here, just like Rabbi Akiva, right? Love your fellow as yourself. So he said that one day somebody came to the Mitle Rebbe and complained about the certain sins that he did. 
and that uh, that he didn't do tshuva on, and he doesn't know how to do tshuva. So what happened is that the Mitle Rebbe raised up his sleeve, lifted up his sleeve, and showed him all the different uh, cracks and uh, and the sickness he had on his skin, and he said, "This is from." from your sins and from other people's sins that I take upon myself to pray for you and to take upon myself so that uh, you should be able to serve God properly. Right? So, he says, we understand the great distance there is between the Mitle Rebbe and people that have connection to such sins. But nevertheless, the Mitle Rebbe was so connected to his Hasidim, to his followers, to his students, that he felt the lack of connection that his student had. And that got him to suffer to such an extent that it caused something on his skin. This is the type of Ahavat Yisrael we're talking about, the type of love. There's a story of the Tzemach Tzedek that one day somebody came to take a loan and it was before davening. And uh, Tzemach Tzedek, if I remember correctly, had on his shoulder already his talis, was about to put his talis and start davening. So he said to the man, after prayer, come and see me, I'm going to give you a loan. And later on, this was uh, 30 days from the passing of the, of the Alter Rebbe. Says 30, uh, and he said that, uh, oh no, no, I'm sorry. More, was more, more, more than that, I, I'm sorry for that the detail. Um, and that at that moment, he said, one second, this guy needs the money that he wants to borrow in order to buy, in order to go to the marketplace by the time I finish praying, uh, it's already going to be in the middle of, uh, you know, uh, uh, the middle of the day, so to say, you know, it's going to be in the middle of, people will already have been in the marketplace, will have bought whatever they need, so, right away that Semach Tzedek sent to go get him and gave him the loan right away. That day, the Alter Rebbe appeared to him, after he didn't appear to him in, in, uh, in a long time. So we see here the Avat Yisrael, and you know, let's let's face it. Somebody comes to you, you're not going to stop everything now to go take care of him. You have to dive in. You're in the middle of the minion. There's a logical order of things, but that's the type of Avat Yisrael that the Nesim that they did that uh, that uh, that was above logic. And then there's another story. There's another story from the Rebbe Maharash. Shepam nasabi yichud mi kuhara. One day, the Rebbe Maharash was in a city, and from that city, he went all the way, traveled to Paris, and he took one of the fanciest hotel rooms and he went down to the bar and at the bar there was a Jew and that Jew was drinking non-kosher wine and the Rebbe Maharaj saw his neshama he saw his soul 
you know, from a distance, he knew that this soul needed to be repaired, so that's why he went all the way there. He sat next to him, put his hand on his shoulder, he says, yeah, young man, wine, non-kosher wine, uh, it blocks the heart and the mind from understanding Hashem. Be a Jew. And like this, that person did a complete teshuvah, went back to Rabbi Maharaj, and from him came many, 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 um, uh, many descendants, which were God-fearing. And we know that by the Rebbe Maharaj, time was very, very important. To such an extent that even when he would say chassidus, he would say it in a very short way. And sometimes by 8 o'clock in the morning, it was already after davening. Nevertheless, he traveled very far. And he traveled in order to find this man, this young man. From the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rasha, at the beginning of his um, uh, leadership, he had to travel to uh, Moscow. He had to travel to Moscow for, for to, to, in order to uh, to annul a decree against the Jewish people. His older brother told him, He says, "Look, time is very important for you, and you're not so uh, learned in uh, in Russian." His brother, on the other hand, was very knowledgeable in language. And you have to find the right connections. If you want, I'll travel for you. He said, no, I'm going to go. It's my mission. And, and I'm going to fight. And he was successful. And many, many stories about the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe on how he did things for the, the, the general public or for even for a simple man, uh, uh, an individual, I'm sorry, whether spiritually or physically. He put aside his own spirituality and his own physicality to take care of another Jew. Not only that, it was for a Jew that even wasn't necessarily Shomer Torah Mitzvah. He wasn't necessarily somebody that was keeping mitzvahs or, uh, or in the Torah, but uh, the opposite. Well, I'm going to just finish off with a story about the Rebbe that, uh, that was just published. Rabbi Zusha Zilberstein from Montreal spoke and he told the following story about Rabbi Shmuel Hefer, the one that established the uh, girls schools uh, in the in the 50s and 60s in uh, Israel the Chabad girls schools so he decided to build a whole school he made a whole plan and 
he came to the Rebbe to present his plan at the time to travel from Israel was a quite a, an ordeal you know it's not like today you hop on a plane well today too is an ordeal but anyways <laughs> okay you hop on a plane and you have to take another plane and so on so he made it he comes to the Rebbe and he brings this this wonderful plan and he and he gives it to the Rebbe the Rebbe takes it and puts it aside on his desk and he looks at him and says what's with the Tweetu girl there's a Tweetu is a, is a French name is a Sephardic name whatever he says uh, it's a last name he says what's with the what's happening with the Tweetu girl and he's just at a loss he doesn't know what to say and the rabbi didn't even speak to him about the he says when you didn't even speak to him about the plans he said when you have a girl's school every every student is important so he left he left the yichidis he went right away to the secretary of the rabbi he gave a call and uh, called the mother of this tweetu girl that he had uh, thrown out of school and said please tell your daughter she can come back to school tomorrow Three days later, he has an audience with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe looks at the plans and approves the plans and says, okay. <laughs> like the lesson is, now that, now that one girl is important, now we could talk about doing big things, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna build, build big buildings for a lot of girls. Rabbi Zusha Zilberstein was saying this story and at the end of his speech, a woman comes up and says, can I please? take the mic I'd like to speak he said please Bechavod he says I want to tell you that I'm the Tweetu girl today I have children and grandchildren just for my whole family and my children and grandchildren and I don't know great grandchildren there's about 20 Shluchim of the Rebbe <laughs> in the world so when I heard this story when I saw this story right away the pasuk that came to my mind was the story of Moshe Rabbeinu when he saw that um, the Egyptian man was was hitting uh, brutally uh, in a brutal way you know the the Jewish man so it says in the pasuk he turned to the right he turned to the left he saw there was no man so the normal explanation is he looked around to see that nobody was looking at him but that's not what Rashi says. Rashi says he looked in the generation if this man was ever going to get married to a Jewish woman or if there was anybody that was going to convert to Judaism and his descendants. And he saw that nothing was going to come out of him for the Jewish people. And then he decided to kill him. So my conclusion from this story is you sometimes have a principal or a teacher that decides to give up on somebody. He doesn't have the ability to see right or left what's going to happen in the future generation with that soul, with that neshama. And therefore, at that moment, he killed him. He could have killed, you know, the possibility of 20 people influencing and transforming the world. But the Rebbe saw in that Tweetu girl, he saw a future generation. He saw everything that could be done. He says, I can't let this go. You want to do big things, start with small things.